Well, if you haven't been with us, uh, we are in the midst, about halfway through the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and we're seeking to see Jesus there in the pages, and we are now in the 12th chapter, uh, and about to start next time, the 13th chapter. But today, the scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 59. Remind you, this is the word of the Lord. Hear it with careful appreciation. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. And they will be divided, father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, Make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable, O Lord, and our Redeemer, in your sight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Like many others... Peter traveled with and listened to the teachings and healings of Jesus. But, like the rest, Peter might have had a little more advanced understanding, but he basically could not comprehend the full significance of the movement that he had become a part of as one of the followers, one of the disciples 
of Jesus. Peter anticipated, like most of the people of his day, if there was going to be anything good, it was going to be some kind of revolutionary overthrow of the powers that were at that time. That's what most of Israel was looking for. And Peter was no exception, probably, in many ways of that. But the truth is, Peter had no idea of the scope of Jesus' mission. He had no comprehension of really how big this thing was that Jesus was doing. Our Lord's kingdom agenda was and still is cosmic in scale. In time now, Peter would begin to understand, but not yet. Not yet. Now, most likely, somewhere between Galilee and Jerusalem. Remember, Luke doesn't seem to be that concerned about exactly where they were. He didn't put up a signpost. Jesus was teaching and prophesying about things to come at the end of the ages. A lot of people think that's something in the future, but that's something that's closing out the Old Testament age. That's what Jesus was talking about and prophesying about. But in our text, Jesus' heart is on fire. Jesus' heart is on fire with anticipation of what one day will bring about nothing short of a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus, we could say in some sense, in his humanity and in his his divinity, he was both man and God, the God-man. And no doubt, Jesus anticipating what he knew was going to be the ultimate plan, and yet he knew he couldn't get there yet. He knew he had to wait and become the servant and die and rise again and be ascended in order for that program to continue. So there was a lot, you could say, of the now and not yet in the heart of the Son of God. He knew what would eventually be, and yet he was now going down the hard path of suffering and of loss. Today, our outline goes like this. A word for the uncommitted, a word for the unprepared, and a word for the unwise. Now, as for the word for the uncommitted, once again, Jesus was warning his listeners about their lack of commitment. Neutrality, Jesus has already said before, and he's saying it again, neutrality is not on the menu. His work as Savior and Judge would cause division that would cut right down the center of the whole human race. But Jesus knew the cost. 
And that was before him, and he charged into the fray with an anticipation of fiery zeal. In one sense, in his humanity, he had to be tentative and not wanting to go forward. But he knew the Father's will, and he had been born to do that. And he was, couldn't wait to get into the fray, into the fiery battle, of which would result in his ultimate exaltation at the right hand of the Father and our salvation, those of us who believe in him. You see, do you remember Luke's account of the angels at Jesus' birth proclaiming that message, peace on earth and goodwill toward Men, great, positive, wonderful message. But Jesus is now telling his followers that he has to come essentially and be ready to burn down the house. Listen to verses 49 and 50 again. I came to cast fire on the earth. Would that It were already kindled. I have a baptism. That refers to his impending death as the sacrifice for our sin. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Can you imagine that? What Jesus is saying, I can't wait to redeem you. It's going to cost me dearly, but I can't wait to set you free. My, I can't can't wait. You see, Jesus' zeal was being expressed in hatred toward what sin has done for his creation. He couldn't wait to get started on the Father's restoration of all things project. But it couldn't come about until sin and death were overcome and destroyed. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He was on fire for that mission. Now... Jesus knew that for a time, because there are sheep and goats, those who follow and believe and trust in him and those who don't, Jesus knew that there would be a time of division. And it would be necessary. As I said, it already cuts through the very center of the human race. Peace will prevail in the end. When God's through with the final plan, it will prevail. But in the meantime, a holy war is separate, separates the same people of the same household. A whole spiritual holy war is going on in families. All around the world. Not only just general people, but even into the very households. 
there is division because some believe, some do not. You see, families would be divided often bitterly because those who follow Jesus and those who rejected him were still sitting on the fence. Now, remember, back to Peter. We started with him. Think about this. Peter didn't get it then. I've already mentioned that, but I'm saying it again. He didn't get it then, but in time he did. With the help of the Holy Spirit and after Jesus had ascended, he did get it, and ultimately he wrote one of the books of the Bible, First and Second Peter. And I want you to listen to what Peter must have still had this ringing in his mind about fire being necessary, division being necessary. Listen to 2 Peter 3, 9 through 13. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's where his heart is. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt As they burn. But now listen. After that. Listen to what comes. But. According to his promise. We. We believers. Are waiting. For new heavens. And a new earth. In which righteousness. Dwells. Isn't that cool? To think that's what's waiting for us. Division will be here now. But when God is through with his program. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. Now, some people think, well, you know, I like this love of God stuff. But I don't like this holiness stuff. Or I I like this this idea of patience. I want God to be very patient with me. I don't want to be that with others, but I do that. But, but righteousness? I, you know, can't I just have the parts that I want? And of course, you know the answer is no. You can't. Never forget the couplings of righteousness and patience. God is righteous but he is also patient and he waits like a tender and he waits and he bears with 
Also, holiness and love are the other coupling. People love to hear about love. I do. You should too. But we have to love holiness also. We have to keep both together. Righteousness and coupling with patience and holiness coupling with love. Both are required of us and everyone. You can't pick and choose. Now, a word for the unprepared is the second point. Jesus had stern words for those who could use clues from the sky and wind to predict weather, but then they were utterly blind to the evidence that the Son of God, the Messiah long promise, had been in their midst, and they don't even begin to understand it yet. They could prepare for climate change, but wouldn't listen to the Son of God's warnings to repent. He called over and over again, repent and believe, receive me. And yet, they were blind as a bat. So why can't they look at what's going on all around them? There in the middle of all of this stands this fiery young prophet that God's kingdom is at hand. He's preaching that message. And why can't they put two and two together and realize that this is the moment that all Israel has been longing for and waiting for all its life, all its history? But they can't see it. They're blind. That's why he calls them hypocrites. You, you can't see it. It's right in front of you. Jesus warned them about the unpreparedness. But he could not spare them from the judgment to come as long as they rejected him. The only hope of salvation was in him. If they wanted their version of it, there was nothing he could do. They would destroy themselves. I want you to notice something very interesting. In verse 56, the second part, 56b, notice this, Luke 12, 56b. But why do you not know? This is how he ends this second part. How to interpret the present time. Now, it's very important to get that. The present time. Jesus is saying to them that this is not something smoldering in the past or pointing toward a distant future somewhere out there, but in the clear and present danger of that very generation that was listening to him. Third, a word for the unwise. If they could, 
this present generation then would do well to take action while there was still time and opportunity. Jesus was pushing toward that. He was trying to say, you guys need to get ready because there's some bad stuff coming down because of your sin and your failure and your rebellion. But sadly, so many of them were unwise. Jesus told them, you better make some plans to get out of this mess that's coming your way. But they were unwise. They didn't care. They didn't think anybody could touch them. They're the chosen. It's all theirs. By the way, Jesus was not talking about a real um, court case. He uses a metaphor here. Once again, Jesus is using a parable. He's using a, a story to tell you something very spiritually important. Jesus was not talking about a real court case, but rather a tentative relationship with something called the Roman Empire. It was the 800-pound gorilla in the room and all over. And yet the Israel, the Jews, had continued to kick sand in their face and fight against them and try and try all kind of ways to mess things up for their administration. And Jesus is saying, do you want to keep kicking sand in the bully's eye? Do you want to keep doing this? You better start thinking about your relationship and be a better negotiator because there's something coming down that you're not going to want to be a part of or get caught in. At any moment, they may be found liable and find that the magistrate, that's the word Jesus uses in the text here, but it's probably a reference to a Roman officer, a Roman official dragging them off to court to face charges, serious charges. And facing such a prospect, Israel should have sought ways to come to terms. They should have quit kicking sand in the bully's face. But as we saw from history, is if you've read history, you know what happened. No, they didn't quit. They doubled down and tripled down in their rebellion. But as we know from history, Jesus' warning went unheeded. That's what this was. This third portion was a warning of judgment to come. The Romans came in AD 7 and Israel ending up paying, to use the words that Jesus used, the very last penny. And you know what that is? That's a metaphor, remember. Word picture, what he's really saying is you will have everything that you know and love stripped from you. You will be demolished. You will not even be. There will be no history left 
when this place is leveled to the ground. You remember that Jesus would say in Matthew 24, your house is left to you desolate. Now, you may be wondering, what relevance, if what I'm saying is true, this is talking about stuff that was going down at the end of that age, of the Old Testament age, and of a judgment that was coming. If I'm saying that that's what this is talking about, and Jesus is trying to help them, warning them to not continue, come and follow me, Don't go down the road of continuing to try and fight against them. If that was what happened historically, you may be wondering what relevance then do these warnings have to do with something that's 2,000 years past that present event that we've been talking about. That was talking about not something in the future. That was talking about right then in that time, in that generation. So you say, well, then for us, no relevance. No, no, not at all. Because the church from its earliest days read this chapter as a warning to each and every generation that comes down the pike in history. To Be wise and read the signs. To every generation, Christians should be wise and prudent and shrewd at times. You see, we should be like the men of Ishakar in the Old Testament who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Christians should be that now. We should be that now. Those of us who follow the Lamb. If the kingdom of God is to come on earth as it is in heaven, and that's what we're supposed to be praying for all the time. It's what we pray for last week in, our, in the uh, Lord's Prayer. If that's what we're to be praying for, that the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven... If that's true, then part of the church's prophetic role is to understand the events on earth, things that are going on, have our eyes open, not earth buried in the the sand, have our heads buried in the sand. But be and use the prophetic role to understand the events on earth and... To seek to address them with the message and the hope of heaven. Yes, we've got our feet firmly planted on the ground here. But we're supposed to be bringing an aroma of heaven. Of the new world to come. Of the new heavens and the new earth in which there will dwell righteousness that only Jesus can bring. In Difficult places here and now, in this generation or in any, there will still be division until his purposes are accomplished. But even then, the smell, the taste, the whiff of the world to come, we're supposed to be representing it. We're supposed to be 
causing it to be a fragrant aroma, as Paul said. You see, we do. It is relevant now and always for the followers of the Lamb. You think about that. Amen. Father, how we thank you for the new heavens and the new earth that are coming. And until then, Lord, we do not know the time and the hour. We know some things that have gone by in history, but Lord, there are so much that we still do not know. Your timing, your purposes, and how they will unfold. Father, I pray that more and more you will give us as we walk upon this earth, as long as you give us such grace, Father, that we will be able to carry about in us and with us the aroma of the world to come, of the new heavens and the new earth. And Lord, let, let there be that kind of anticipation And Lord, we wait for you and for your purposes. Use us till then. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.